0: So hello and welcome to Rock and Roll. I'm joined as usual by Ryan Wally. How are you doing, Ryan? Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad. And our guest for this week, who I also record a horror podcast with, and against all advice, I've crossed the streams. So we've had to bring him on during a set of games when Jonah Holmes isn't playing, because otherwise we'd get on to nothing else. <laughs> Gavi, Thomas, how are you doing, Gav?
1: I'm very well, thank you.
0: <laughs> are we all had good weeks we all had much yes. to celebrate it's been alright to be fair like
2: chilled week just I'll be honest with you I'm just just gearing up because I've once I've got this week out of the way I've got three days next week and then I'm off for uh, a week heading back home for the uh, the Australia game next week um, so yeah I'm just counting down the days to be honest
0: well I missed you last time so I'll be there I promise um, yeah, you, just said start. That last time. you said that last I know time. why <laughs> <laughs> Just get the hint. Just get the int already. Um, we it's always been start... 12 years though. It's been 12 years. 12 long years. <laughs> um, we always start with the news, but I want to start with non-rugby news first. And I can't remember if this happened this week or if I missed it off last week. But the news that um, Newport Leisure Centre isn't having any more gigs. Because we are rock and roll. And it's not often I do the roll side of things. But... There's no more music gigs being played at Newport Leisure Centre, which is a travesty for me. It's a great place. And one of my favourite memories of a gig is from Newport. So I'm going to quickly run through Annem and then we'll move on to some actual rugby news. So I went to watch the Manics play, as everyone in Wales has got to do. And there was a guy in there who was fucking massive. I can't describe enough. He was like six, 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 seven. He was fucking huge with a bald head. And he had caused a bit of trouble at the start and a bouncer, a bouncer, like a steward, leaned across, grabbed him by the collar of his shirt and they literally went like nose to nose, like uh, like a Maori kiss. Like they were nose to nose and they were like having with, and he kind of pushed him back in. So we had got there early and we were there were one person in front of us and then the barrier. And so like, as happens in gigs, like people sort of push in and we move back. And so we were about three, four people back. And then this big gormless bastard that had been over there starting fights came and stood right in front of us with his mate who was i would say an inch shorter <laughs> now it's been said on the podcast before i'm not the tallest person in the world but such as life for gigs like people are standing in front of you sometimes you can't see you kind of shuffle around but then the two of them just stood there and had a conversation with each other through two songs right so i had any of the manics i hadn't seen any of the manics as i as i'm prone to do my fucking head went so I tapped him on the shoulder, being polite like I am, and I said, "Excuse me, but but I don't mind if you don't want to watch the Manics, but do you mind if I do? Because you're six foot fucking nine, and I can't see a fucking thing while you were talking to your mate." And he said to me, he like leaned over me, and he said, "I can't help if I'm tall. I'm a second row." And in a moment of uh, Wit that usually eludes me I said well I'm a fucking hooker so know your place And stand behind me (laughs) And I swear to God he tapped me on the back And laughed and moved behind me And then two other people went to push in and he stopped them he said excuse me they're trying to watch the gig (laughs) And then when I left He waved (laughs) So that's Going to be forever my memory of watching Music gigs at Newport Leisure Centre And now we'll move on to some actual news (laughs) <laughs> so we've had um, we've had difficult news in the past we're now adding another one to that difficult news of concussions uh, Carl Heyman came out last week and stated that he's also now suffering quite heavily from the damages caused within rugby it's a difficult one to take as always I always hear, like, what's your views for this news? But I don't think it's going to be anything, you know, other than it's massively disappointing. How are we feeling at this point now that there's, there's another player that's come well,
2: I guess you also have to add, and I've just um, remembered the last couple of days, Dane halep D- Petty as well. Um, obviously, yeah. he's retired now for it as well. It's just it's just horrific, isn't it? Like <clears throat> The only positive, and I think I mentioned this before, the only positive I can see from any of this happening is that, it's clearly obvious the change is now happening. Like they are changing the rules and changing the guidance so that future generations don't have to suffer this, which is horrific to think, but like at least they're doing something Um, and they're using, I suppose in a nice way, they're using the evidence that they'll get from these people that are suffering now to prevent that from happening going forward. And like, I use that as a positive in the sense of like, like we've had conversations before, but my dad and whatever, and like my, my dad passed away and it's actually 20 years tomorrow. Um, since he's passed and it's like I, I know now that the people that suffer with the same thing that he had have got a better chance than he did 20 years ago Yeah. Um, and it's just looking at it's looking at that obviously in the, it's sort of a wider picture I guess and I'm thinking of a, like <clears throat> these people that when we've got kids etc their generations and their generations after are probably going to have a better chance I suppose to deal with it if things like that happen or prevent or potentially it doesn't happen because the preventions are now going to be in place Um but yeah, it's getting to see, especially when you see somebody as, as like probably one of the best props ever in Carl Heyman like coming forward and saying that he's suffering with that. Like He put his body, obviously, and, and I guess mind on, on the line for New Zealand and any club he played for for years, and it's just a shame to see.
0: Well, obviously, I think with the, the legal side of things, that's kind of what they're looking at as well, isn't it? It's not so much of a is it doing damage? Because I think this racket, despite the, the, the All Blacks uh, ex-co saying at some point, or, or physio saying, that you know, we need to look at that. And I think Jamie Roberts in an exit from his book has echoed that um, this week saying that, well, we, we don't know for definite that's what it is, but obviously it needs further. But I think more than anything, this is what the legal thing is looking at, is how much did players know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Gav, what's your take on it? And
1: the game has a problem and it knows it has a problem. And the problem comes from two angles uh, for me. One is the fact that you can't really change the game. The game is the game. It is a game of contact. And you can say you need a tackle lower and everything else. But stuff does happen all the time. And how you reduce that, I'm unsure. The other problem is a cultural one in that there is still that culture on well, the game's gone soft, blah, blah, blah. And it's all well and good saying, well, it wasn't like that for 30 years ago. And it wasn't like that 30 years ago. You know, my dad played at a decent level. He was a tight end. probably. weighed 14 stone. You know, 14 stone, it would be like for a win now. The game has changed. These are athletes. These are big, strong men. And without working out how to reduce those collisions, we're going to have a problem to the point where the game is in a dangerous position because it will become a legal thing like it did in college football in America. And we don't have the money that college football does in America if you're all goes mm. pop. I
0: think, like, like you said, like, it's sort of learning our, our kids, it's educating people. Because undoubtedly, if you take up a combat sport, you know, getting repeatedly punched in the head, you rather used to call, you know, punch drunk, you run that risk. So what you do is you put the safety measures in place. You make sure that referees are well-trained to know when that, that's too much, you stop the fight, like you're showing symptoms, you showing signs. And rugby started to go down that route and acknowledge mm-hmm. that and think, perhaps not 100% at the moment, because we're still having conversations about why wasn't that a red card. But I think it's people going into it educated because, as you said, like, at the moment, we're looking at it being a massive legal issue, especially if... People are talking about unions knowing things in the past mm-hmm. and not passing that information on to people that they should have been passing that information on to. But I'm you know, not mentioning any of all those unions. Maybe that's something that's being discussed. So I think if you go into it with your eyes wide open and you know, okay, I'm going this game and I may end up coming out of it with a concussion that may have long-term effects, then you're taking that on your own shoulders. You're making that decision. You know, if a boxer steps into a ring, he knows... There's a chance that he may come out of that with, with long lasting injuries, but he's still making that decision. He's still able to go ahead because he knows what's
1: going to happen. Yeah. The thing is, though, combat sports take more care about that, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yes. My my friend fought in uh, what's it called, Bellator, uh, the kind uh, of the U- MMA. Yeah, but the level below a UFC on the weekend in Dublin, and he was beaten in 15 seconds. He was kind of called in at 10 days notice and stuff but beforehand brain scans afterwards brain scans full medicals you know they take it seriously it's different you know no no one's going to kick you in the head for uh, 15 seconds in uh, rugby well hopefully not but in kind of with combat. Come on, Gav. Gav, we've all played rugby in the valleys. That happens. Anyway. <laughs> well, it's true, but you know, it's, it's changed a bit since uh, my day, possibly. Back,
0: back to that game of travel
1: Yeah. <laughs> I try well, I can't remember lots of it. But, uh, <laughs> but combat sports seem to take it far more seriously than rugby yeah.
0: does. Yeah. And I, I, I think like, that's what I mean as so, well, like making those decisions to go, right, when that's a high shot, we have to sanction because no one expects to want a rugby field. And have to take that. Like if you've gone and you are hit with a high shot, yeah, it can happen. Yeah, you know, there's the risk that it could happen, and you're taking that. But then every preventable step to stop that happening needs to be taken. And okay. so I think that that's what rugby needs to get right, and it's what's still not getting bang on for me at the moment. Mm. Like we're still like, looking at decisions where you go, or well, should should that have not been? Like why is that not a red? Like, like the protocols are in place, and we talked about this other way of just making the protocols easier. Like if the protocols are there. The TMO's going to make a decision. Why are they still getting? Why is it not just a tick box exercise to go? But well, that's happened. That's happened. That's happened. That's a red card. Mm. They, they're still overcomplicating it. That's what rugby needs to get right at the moment.
1: The refs have a hard job to do because it's not really clear when you read the regs on contact with the head. It's not really clear, and and that's where it has to have clarity. And I think if you say something along the lines of any contact with the head. You know, in the tackle area, in the rack area, we'll after red card.
0: But even little things like um, we talked about in, the, in the, the Wales New Zealand game, the yellow card in that, because Renal said about the mitigating factors, but he also said the sentence before that it was his, never legal. his action is legal is it illegal. So if his action is always illegal, right.
1: then he can't
0: be applying mitigating factors. And so that's pretty like if everybody sat at home understands that. And I use Tom Shanklin as the example, because he was commentating on that game. And we know that Tom Shanklin early on sort of didn't like the new one. And then now was come around and gone, actually, yeah, I can see why it's in place. Tom Shanklin was very quick to call that up and say, well, actually, he he can't apply those mitigating factors. He shouldn't be applying that. And so if people are getting it, if, if, if people at home are getting it, if commentators are getting it, why are referees whose job it is to referee these games and TMOs and, and assistants? Like I said, if you miss something, I can completely overlook that. If it, if it's something or something bizarre happens and you go, well, actually, Law 147 Part B, Part Two states that that should have been a drop goal rather a drop out rather. Then you go, all right, the referee doesn't know that; It's just it's just slipped his mind. But these are so be so much in the forefront of people's mind they don't know this will get me it wrong.
1: It's a mitigating factors thing though, isn't it? That's that what throws the yeah. the questions into any decision that's made. Yeah. There's no way I don't I don't care what you say mitigating factors or oh, that tackle on uh, Moriarty. Well, that was a red card. It was a, yeah, red, it was a red card color. all day long because he hit him in the head with shoulder. And and that's what the law should say. The law should state yeah. if there's any contact. With the upper arm, shoulders on the head, then it's a red card. Yeah. And then coaches will make more of an effort to coach their players not to do that. Because at the minute it's that 50-50 fingers where you can clear them out like that. And yeah, it might be red, it might not be.
0: And and to cross codes for a second, because I I watch a bit of league and I used to watch a lot of league. And when they first brought that rule in in rugby league, where contact with the head was a red card, it went crazy. Mm-hmm. It went absolutely crazy, and two, three, four people were getting sent off in some games. And they, we were out like 54, 47 games and stuff. And it went mental. And eventually, as you said, coaches went, Well, I'm, like my job's on the line here. <laughs> like still, yeah. because people are getting sent off for these. Like, we need to get it lower, boys, because this is going to end up costing us our place in the playoffs. It's going to end up costing the league. It's going to end up costing me my job. It's surprising how quickly. People change their mentality when that becomes the case. So I end up saying like, like you bite the bullet. You've got to... and when World Rugby set out what they wanted to do, that was exactly what the plan was. We we make it as strict as possible at first. We don't miss any of them, and it's gonna be a red card, and then players will learn. And then maybe we can look at the mitigator, but they they haven't really done that. And no. that, that's their missed trick, I think. So they need to go back to square one and go right. We're gonna referee this very, very harshly. Yeah, yeah. I agree.
1: Totally.
0: Speaking of people making bad decisions, <laughs> Eddie Jones has popped up in some interviews again. Well, he's shaking your head already. So no, I was I was, I, I was going to word it as speaking of people making bad decisions, Eddie Jones. Um. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, he's uh, he's told Marcus Smith not to fall to the limelight and take his eye off the ball like Emma Raducanu did. Except I don't think he even could remember Ed- Emma Raducanu's name or say no, it
2: I'm pretty sure he said something like that girl who won the tournament in America. Yeah. I don't even think, yeah. And then he referred to the fact that like she's not been playing great since because she's been on the front of like whatever it is, is a Vanity Fair and she's done something in the, U- in the UK. She wore she's- a
0: dress and she had a photo taken.
2: Yeah, she's got a new sponsorship deal with whoever, and he's like, "Yeah, Marcus can't be doing things like that." Blah 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 blah.
0: I particularly, I know this was before Eddie's reign, mm. but when England bombed out of their own World Cup, yeah, they did the advert with was it Beats? Yep,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah, and they Chris Robshaw.
0: Yeah, but Chris Robshaw did it. Was, it was like a press conference. And he looks straight at the camera and he says, we always fancy ourselves at home. Yeah. And then in their own Cup, lost in the pool stages and went out. So, uh, like, maybe get your own house in order before you start. It's another nonsense anyway, this idea that Emma Raducanu is, is suddenly awful now because she's she's in a dress on the front of, of Dawkins Bazaar, Arpa Bazaar, even Dawkins Bazaar, um, on the front of Arpa Bazaar. Like, that, that's... It's, it's a nonsense anyway. But then do you think think
2: Eddie was just maybe saying he didn't want Marcus Smith to be on the front of a cover in a dress maybe uh,
0: I I like it's not like we don't see these England players on the front of magazines as well like there's we've seen Mara Torje in a suit on the front of of GQ we've seen players and not just like throughout their time like uh, Courtney Laws doing Giacomo adverts the old team doing uh, Vodafone adverts before the World Cup like they, they. been people who've always done this thing because, of course, they have, because they're professional sportsmen and they've got contractual obligations as well,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and they've got short careers. So, of course, you're going to make the most of that. And I don't I think it's an absolute nonsense to say that. I mean, if anything, Emma who had a superb tournament where she's well ahead of where she would expect to have developed. Like, she didn't go into that tournament expecting to win it, she was unranked. So she went in at a brilliant tournament, perhaps has found her level, because she's still developing. She's still developing as a player. She's still developing as a person. She's still developing. Like, what, do you think you I just wipe the board then? Because And now that hasn't happened because she had a photo taken for fucking, I don't know, GQ or whatever she's it,
1: been in. It's a silly comparison as well, isn't it? Because you know, Marcus Smith has had a good season and a half at Harlequins, has played a couple of decent halves of rugby for England against poor opposition, she's won one of the biggest tournaments in the world, the only qualifier ever to do it without dropping a set. It's not, really, it's not even a fair point of comparison. She's one of the biggest sports stars in the world in a truly global sport, yep. in a way the rugby isn't truly global, in a way the tennis is. If she's going to be on the front of magazines, I don't, you know, a Marcus Smith is in a very different position, and it would be hilariously poor take if it wasn't for the other fact that Eddie Jones isn't even in England for half the year because he's doing other jobs. Yeah, He's doing consultancy for other unions. He's doing consultancy in other sports. So to say, oh, you should have your head turned. Well, no, I'm going to be brutally honest, Eddie. Let's be honest with the resources you have in England. You should be winning every Six Nations and every World Cup. So how come you have not done now?
2: Exactly. And, I, and as we were just talking there, I was just flicking through, I didn't realize that um, apparently Eddie Jones a few years ago when he was first with England was also a consultancy for a bank in Japan.
0: Yeah, and he's, he did a little bit with the Sunwolves recently, didn't he? Yeah. Did he do something out in MLR yeah. recently? So, yeah. Like I said, get, get your own house in order as well. And it's an easy time. It's the usual thing of, of pick on a young woman. Like, it's very yeah. Piers Morgan. Yeah. It's very Piers Morgan to go, well, look at Emma Raducanu. Yeah. So, but but it does also give me a chance to, to quote the Frankie Boyle joke for anyone who hasn't seen his new series yet, where he said he was very pleased to see the Queen send a message of support to Emma Raducanu because it's refreshing to see him show support. I see her show support to a young girl in American court. So <laughs> uh, Nice. Uh, <laughs> other big news. Uh, Roman Pot has hung up his whistle his final game on the weekend. It, it, it was the game you wanted Quatt to the world on, wasn't it? Scotland, Australia. It it, it was the exactly a Roman Watt game to finish on. Yeah, it was
2: it, it was it was case oh. from, from what I saw where it was just like I couldn't give a fuck. Like whatever whatever happens today, it's my last game. Go and play, lads. It's like, you know, one of those things where like and, and like <laughs> you know when like you're back in school and it's like the last week of term. And it's like, yeah. Do you want to just get the teddies out, like, or should we just, should we, should we just place the and ladders? Like, it was just a case of like yeah, Mike,
0: Michael Hooper's brought in, Buckaroo.
2: Yeah, like I, <laughs> I'm, I'm, lit- I'm literally here, but I don't care what you do. Like you, you carry on. But the one thing I did take from me, and I, I had it up on, earlier on, was um the conversation that they both had on the pitch about how Michael Hooper was like challenging him. Like, you can't be serious. That decision, that's terrible. And then you fast forward like an hour later, and they're chatting. And he's giving him a didgeridoo. It was like congratulations for his, for his thing well, or whatever.
0: To be fair, I think Michael Luper did say at one decision, "I like it when we're on the same page, Roman." Yeah, that's a, which is a great quote. That's a superb quote. I do feel sorry for Roman, but I'm to get back to France with a fucking didgeridoo. <laughs> like that's that's not fitting in a kit bag. Nope. <laughs> I don't. It, 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 sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, if they were going to go full Australian culture, they could have gone boomerang which would have been a lot easier <laughs> to get back through. Yeah. I'm glad it wasn't no, a wobble I, board anymore.
1: A kangaroo.
0: A kangaroo. Oh, <laughs> <I can't guru. laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to watch. I want to watch that series of Skippy. <laughs> <laughs> where, where Roman Quatton, yeah. right? It was Roman Quatton's Skippy. <laughs> <laughs> oh. What's that it's, skip, bro? Matthew Passaro's fallen down a mine shaft. <laughs> I'm all
2: over that. I read. I read something the other day. I think. Yeah, I don't know if it was Wayne Barnes or it was somebody that apparently they basically turned around and said, um, he, like he's one of the funniest guys on tour. Like when they go away together, like apparently he's genuinely a funny
0: guy. Like I fully believe that. I, he, he seems madcap. Like he, he seems like the caricature of those madcap Frenchmen that sometimes turn up in films, like yeah. Roman Poirot. In fact, now that he's retired from rugby. I hope that's his next job. I hope he just plays madcap Frenchmen in in comedies in whatever films you can get. In. You know, like Cantona went into films and he retired. I think that's the, the way forward for Roman,
2: <laughs> like the guy who played the policeman in Hello, Hello, just like dodgy French yeah. accent, <laughs> like put, yeah. like a Frenchman putting on a dodgy French accent as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I've, next next Pink Panther film they do. Rome on <laughs> <Platt>. Um
1: I'm <laughs> fully on board with this. I have a hot take on the game, and it will probably uh, our group chat. This will probably turn the group chat uh, against me quite heavily. I didn't think it was a great game. Oh, rugby was poor on both sides. Scottish Shire should have been disallowed. <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to that one in a bit. <laughs> we
0: do. <we'll> do <laughs> We'll do the news and then we'll move into the games.
1: we had the last day of school vibe to it, which you mentioned, but not in a good way for me because it, <laughs> they, they were tracking the ball about from, you know, if you're going to throw the ball about that much, it should be more than one try or two tries in the game. And some of the stuff Finn Russell was, that Will talk about in the game, but some of the stuff Finn Russell was doing is like, Finn, no, mate, no, just play some rugby.
0: I, I'm going to end up on dodgy territory when we come through in this game because I've already had Scotsman wanting to beat me up in my DM, So <laughs> this could be <laughs> And that um, wasn't Johnny. That wasn't Johnny for a change. Uh, we'll move on to the last bit of news. Then, news from the day, which I'm going to move on to because it could have a knock-on effect. So AJ McGinty's moving to Bristol Bays, which I thought would leave... Callum Sheedy free to move back to Wales. Now, seemingly Patlam may have cast some doubt on when his contract is actually up. Now, 2019, he extended his contract for two years and he had one year left to run. So I make it at the end of this season. Mm-hmm. But Patlam said he has got a few years to run, yeah. So I don't know if this is some Tommy Francis style. I don't I don't know what's happened, but Patlam seems to think that. Callum Sheedy isn't coming back this year. I've got the sneaking suspicion that this has been done to bring him back this year.
2: Yeah, it could well be.
0: In in true GCSE exam style, discuss. I think what we're going to probably find out
2: in the coming weeks is that potentially Callum Sheedy is going to sign or re-sign for a potentially unnamed Welsh club that will then
1: potentially turn into be Cardiff. We wouldn't go to Cardiff though, surely, because I know Cardiff don't buy the players they need. They just <laughs> randomly try to collect every back row in Wales. But they've already got two international tens. There seems very little point in, in adding a third. But that said, and I was trying to think about this when I saw the news, where else does he go? Ospreys? Yeah, yeah maybe. be you yeah. have there. Dragons? Possibly, but Dragons don't really play the right kind of rugby for him when you have Sam Davis there. And scarlets, it, you're not sure. We've got too many tens playing in the country as there is. Well, and, my,
0: um, I, he can't sign for not Blues because he's not a back row player, so that's not allowed. That's ruled out straight away. If he's, if he can't get in a shirt number between six and eight, die young do him. <laughs> so that's that one out. I wonder if he will go to Scar because it's been a while since we've seen Patch. Yeah. And the longer it goes, the more I worry that I think this that that patchel may be done, Mm. at certainly at regional level, which is a massive shame because I'm a big fan of patchels and I'd be. Dan Jones isn't really like Dan Jones. I said has always looked like a second choice ten to me, and he still looks, which isn't a bad thing. Like I keep saying, like that that's not a slight on him. Like to be a second choice ten at professional level still means you're a fucking good player. But I just don't think if you've got ambitions, as the Scarlet should have, of doing something in the URC and doing something in Europe, then you need something better. Obviously, Sam Costello's there, and is, it looks superb when he's playing, but he's still very young. So I wonder if that opens up the door there. Obviously, Hans comes back with the Ospreys, and at some point, Milan is going to have to retire. How I, 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 old was... Um, how old was JPR when he finished playing for Tondi? <laughs> uh, he played from like 68 to 2003, I think I put <laughs> up in, in. So maybe, unless Stephen Myler fancies going to break that record, at some point he is going to have to say, yeah, that's, that's me done. So I don't know if he'll go further west maybe, or whether the WRU capture him with the connections, they've got a the dragon, but surely he's got to come well he I means he's got to come to keep his career going with with on an international level but
2: it wouldn't surprise me if they do similar to what happened with Nick Tompkins it won't be alone like like it was for Tompkins to come into dragons but it wouldn't surprise me if like you said that the, the WIU goal like, will will help fund this but he's got to go there and he's got to play or something sort of thing Um, it wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me at all um <clears throat> I do think although when it comes to the cardiff not blues um Jared Obviously, he's there Priestland's got a two-year contract I think, but realistically, he's not going to play after that. Um, so, is there a chance of maybe that that would be the case of like a long-term thing for Sheedy and Jared to be there together? Because Priestland's only going to be there for another season after this.
1: But then, do you want? You've got Ben Thomas as well yeah. at uh, Cardiff, haven't you? Who's yes, we've seen him play the twelve for uh, for Wales, but you know people. People have seen him play tell me he's more naturally a 10. Yeah.
0: And obviously the problem you've got with having Sherrod Evans and Callum Sheedy in the same team is they're both on the periphery of that Wales squad. Mm-hmm. So there's a chance of losing them both or there's a chance of keeping them both. Mm. So you may be in a position where you're never content with what you've got because neither one of them, like they're of a similar age, they're of a similar ability and holding a similar status within the Welsh camp. Especially it's, now that... Especially it's now like that we, the worst possible option to me to, to go to the Blues. But then I thought, I can't see Falatel going to the Blues because they've got so many back row players and then look what happened there. So what do I know? What <laughs> do I know?
2: Especially now that we've lost the the, uh, the splot Neil Jenkins and we He's retired, so we can't use him at 10 anymore, can we? The who? The splot Neil Jenkins.
0: Dan Fish. Dan Fish. <laughs> Dan Fish. <laughs> I'm still trying, I am still want to get my new, I obviously I had a big conversation about perfume adverts on the back of Paul Williams' Street, and I think my marketing idea of a Dan Fish aftershave called Smells Like Fish is absolutely the way forward for me. I want Dan Fish stood holding uh, an aftershave with Port Albert in the background. And he just says, <laughs> Smells Like Fish in his own Inimitable voice. i would more for it. Oh, it's smells like fish
1: by Dan Fish. Tell me Has Dan by? Fish ever played for Wales? I don't
0: think so. Not in rugby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but he just seems like one of those players you think, yeah, I'm sure he hasn't. But then, you know, we have made some weird selection choices over the years. That's, yeah. The um, Matt Cardy kind of. Uh, I love
0: Matt Cardy. I loved Mac. I mean, this is where I go full scarlet, but I love Matt Cardi. I thought he was great. Uh, uh, it would be the most blues thing, though, if they signed Callum Sheedy and then Priestland, Sheedy, and Jared Evans all got a Welsh call up and you still ended up with Matthew Morgan at 10. Yep. Like, that is the most blues thing I think in the world to happen. Um, D- Dan Fish 10, Wales, and the 20 caps. That's it. Yeah, that's it. A-
1: is some, so uh, sense in the world.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it does seem like one of those, he would have done like a Tour of Japan or something, though. Know? Or he would have played a Friday night game against Samoa or, you know, something yeah. like you that. Know, Hal
1: Luscombe, Luscombe Grand Slam winner. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's.
2: There's only one thing worse than that, and that's Jimmy Triori, Champions League winner, winner isn't it?
0: We we don't talk football on you, right? <laughs> we have done know that. Um, so, we'll leave the news there unless anyone else has got any more news that I've missed. No.
2: Oh, the only other thing, I don't know if you want to mention it, um, is the, and I did send it to you earlier on,
0: was the statement that's come out. Absolutely, I do want to mention it. I forgot all about that. One, on, Walt, take the reins. I forgot so all about that. I'm not
2: going to read the whole statement, but there has been a statement that's been released from the National Congress of American Indians uh, directly... Uh, sent to Mr Tony Rowe and trustee members um, of Exeter, Exeter Chiefs um, basically confirming that they obviously are, are completely against the fact that they are happy to carry on with the Chiefs name um, and obviously look to him to make um, changes in his opinion and the club um, also ahead of the club member vote going to be done late this month. Um, I don't think there's any organisation in the world that could have backed this more than this organisation so fingers crossed obviously the Exeter Chiefs of Change um, and the people we know there and stuff um, this is hopefully going to be a massive help for them Um, fingers crossed (laughs) Tony Rowe and everyone at Exeter makes the the correct decision when it comes to the vote and and changes their opinion on it all but to have a backing like that from an organisation like that is massive
0: What it does do as well is it ends that quite frankly, wrong opinion that, oh, well, nobody really cares. And actually uh, First Nations people see it as an honour, the ones that do know, most of them don't even know anyway, because they're all the way over in America. And so how would they possibly see our games, more of which are televised live in America than are actually shown in Britain? Mm -hmm. So what it does is silence those, and let's be honest, I say dickheads, so... It is superb. It's another big step. It's another massive nail into the coffin of this racist, this racist mascot and badge that they continue and chant and song, that they continue to persevere with. Because every time they bring up a counter-argument, it gets knocked down and knocked yep. back. And when ex-players who had previously stuck by them are now saying, actually, now that now that we know that it's wrong I wanted to change some fans and obviously the, the Chiefs of Chains are fans anyway but they are saying so every and and sponsors now the more that they take things off obviously BT have also now done their special which means the last thing you want to lose is the backing of the broadcaster that's paying you a lot of money to show your games
2: yeah.
0: it feels like it's more a matter of when than if to me now Are you ready for some exclusive news that's broken as we're talking. Well, not not, not news so much as rumour that's broken as we're talking. Go ahead. So, remember when we said we'll stop talking about AJ McGinty? Well, it seems now that Sale of Open talks with George Ford as his replacement. Oh. Uh, that, that's been reported by the Telegraph. Literally, like, it's, it's come to me as we were talking about, about the Chiefs. So, George Ford... Apparently, maybe his replacement. I mean, that's a hell of a step up, isn't it?
1: That's an upgrade. That's certainly <laughs> an upgrade. I like AJ McGinty. He's not George Ford, though.
0: No. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. So we could have a. I like a good game on number ten merry-go-round. This is great. Um, the funny because we're driving home today, as a busy afternoon driving out there, I was thinking about like how the the outside off factory then is back in full flow, if you will, because there are so many options attending Wales. And then, yeah, this one's blown me out the water. Because, I had a, like, as I was thinking of, of, of if Sheedy comes back, I hopefully this isn't a, a Sheedy going to a different English club if we're going to start this merry-go-round. That's what I was just thinking. But also on the flip side, I'm also trying to work out where's Mike?
2: Is Mike at Mike, sale or is Mike at Leicester? Mike Ford. Yeah.
1: That's a very good question. Is he at sale? And maybe that's why he's going to sale. I don't know. He he was at the club, but he left, indeed he? he? Left, but uh, he went from Bath, and then he went somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, I,
0: I don't think he's anywhere at the moment. No. He was assistant at, at the Tigers until two thousand and nineteen, yeah.
1: and then then. I'm bringing high levels of knowledge there with vague knowledge of where Mike Ford is currently, <laughs> but uh,
0: well, uh, I, I'm bringing strong vibes of Google at the moment because I was like. That's very, yeah, I no idea. Um, so, yeah, that's potentially, I mean, it won't be breaking news by the time this goes out, because this won't go out until about, like, two o'clock in the morning, by which time everyone will see the Toad phones possibly going. But it, it's exciting for us. Shall we now leave the news day and move on to last weekend's games? And then... Yep. Um, so, Gav's chomping at the bit to talk about why he was so disappointed by Scotland. So, we'll... Uh, We'll go to Murrayfield first week and upset everyone north of uh, north of that border, and then we'll we'll go round the houses. Gav, not not happy with that game.
1: Oh, it, it, it wasn't very exciting, was it? Really, because no one really looked like scoring. There was lots of throwing the ball about, and there was lots of running, and there was lots of backdoor passes, and none of it looked very really structured. And it felt towards the end, I I was watching, thinking. They could play for hours here, and no one's gonna try. And you could say it's down to the defences, but it was because it wasn't really structured enough. It and, was a few,
0: a few decisions as well. Where like the Finn Russell one really brought me when he tried that cross-field kick for no apparent reason. Like Scotland had made yards and yards. They, they broke out, it was a turnover, I think. Was it from a. Uh, it was a turnover scotland broke downfield it was a lovely interplay there were some great passes ball comes out to to Finn Russell they've actually got a, a, a man overlap and he kicks it straight into like the third row <laughs> so what the fuck are you doing Finn there was it only needed to go through hands like it's the typical just yeah. give straight and Commit your man and give like that. That's all they needed to do. Gotcha. And there was a lot, a lot of moments
1: of that. It was our stat as well, wasn't it? That North side had had more than six phases till the sixty-third minute of the game, <laughs> and you know at, at which point there would only been two tries. So it's not as if they're they running enough first and second phase ball because well, there were only two tries.
0: It was like someone had decided to make a blooper reel and a highlight reel at the same time, and then just mm-hmm. sort of mashed them together. Because, like you said, some of the things are amazing. The off-roads you were looking at, some passes, it was great. And then some pretty basic shit that didn't go very well. If, if you were, a neutral,
1: if, if we were a neutral, which I am, I suppose, it was great. But there would have. To, oh, come on, boys. You know, it just lacked <laughs> that killer edge. And if you compare it to a Scotland against Tonga, which is a very different thing, they, that was all cutting edge. Mm. I and think it's one. What
0: so happened? It's one of those ones where it was great to watch and everyone. This is me, and I was one of them. Like I, I loved watching it with no real skin in the game. Like, I always want Scotland to do well. It's one of those things. I, I quite like Scotland for whatever, and I know I wind, like people up, or Scottish fans up that we're friends with, and I do a lot. Of, but I love Scotland, and that's the reason that I do it. is like, a team, I don't like them. I, I wouldn't be doing it because I, I genuinely mean it. Um, and so I, but if. A Wayne-Pivac-Wales team put our performance together. People would have slated that, that we look directionless under Pivak, we never look like scoring. The kind of shit that gets thrown at us quite a lot, that under Pivak we're not doing this, and, oh, it's all offloads and things, but where's the actual end product? Why are we not scoring tries? But everybody raved about the Scotland-Australia game and you go like, well, it's the same. Like It's exactly the same thing that you're doing. Like, either decide that actually that's yeah, a great game, I enjoy watching it's a lot of fun, or this is shit, I want nothing to do with it. But people become blinkered by teams or coaches that they like and don't like. And Did you can you see would... all over Twitter, the, the people who had, had slagged like, our game plan off then. So yeah, anyway.
2: The only thing I would add to the, uh, the Finn Russell thing, though, is like, obviously they all say that he's quite like, Um, dedicated to his craft in regards to, like, he watches how defences play and stuff, and he watches YouTube, which like, whatever. Like, players should do that. But the fact he's done it in 24 hours, because obviously he knows there's an overlap, but he's thinking, what if a fan comes on the fucking pitch? I need to kick it, just in case. So obviously that's why he's he's done it. So I want to defend (laughs) Finn for that, to be honest. Do
0: you think that's what he was? He was like, oh... If, if that, it's if, anywhere near from, yeah. I what, if I seen, in, what if
2: fucking what if turns up and does the same thing as I looked <laughs> yesterday? That's what he's thinking. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, 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 he's got a lot of he's got a lot of subs being picked in front of him. If he's number sixty nine, he's not getting that <laughs> <my> page <pitch.
1: laughs> With Finn Russell as well, and when this goes out, I'm sure Johnny will have plenty to say to me. I, I love watching Finn Russell play, but I would be so frustrated by him if I was actually a fan of any of the teams he played for because he, he's always looking for the one in 50 rather than the, the simple thing. And yes, yeah, sometimes that's a lovely thing to watch. And having grown up watching in kind of outside hours who don't really like to do that, it's lovely to watch someone who does. But oh, sometimes Finn, just, just do the right thing man. Mm. It's why...
0: Uh, Stephen Jones is my favorite ten that Wales have picked, and why I could never get on with James Hook. Like people would rave about his ability, and I go, yeah, yeah, like he's amazing, he's really talented. But sometimes I want to fucking throttle him because <laughs> you go, just play the simple. Like we don't need to throw that pass, and you know it's inevitably going to get intercepted. Mm-hmm. You don't need to force it. Finn Russell is very, and like obviously, like when it was Hook. People were the same ways. People raved over him. People loved him. People thought he was amazing. And I'm, I just want Stephen Jones who will give it a pass when he needs to be given and then sometimes happily take a big hit from a flanker because he knows we need to set up the next phase. And I think that's underrated a little bit. I'll I agree. just
1: kick the leather off the ball sometimes. You know, that's what I love about <laughs> Stephen Jones. You're Stephen smart. Jones. You think, oh, the space, eh? No, I'm not interested in space. I'm kicking it 50 metres and you're playing rugby down the other end of the pitch.
0: Yeah, Yeah, a a good, intelligent. I mean, I was going to say Ronan O'Gara did the same thing, but tier two rugby apparently doesn't agree. (laughs) (laughs) Ronan O'Gara did the same thing for Ireland. And, you know, where he just, I'm for Munster, obviously, where he was just an intelligent player. He he picked out what he needed to do. And, yeah, sometimes you go, a little bit boring, but it's damn effective. And, Sometimes I, I if I was a big fan of Scotland, I'd be the same way. Like, yeah, that the missed three pass that's flat against England is superb and it's one of the best things I've ever seen. But sometimes, Finn, can you just hang on to the ball or can you just can you just give it a 12 and leave him at that but we'll go again? Like there's absolutely no need to try and find the miracle pass every single time. Mm. Um one thing that it did give was a little bit of, of shit I was in. Seemingly some on a touchline as well. Like there seemed to be a, a few things between water carriers and and things going on throughout the game. I've, as I alluded to earlier, upset a few Scottish fans. So we'll go, first of all, to the first incident, which was Xander Ferguson. And for me, it's, it's a red card and a lengthy ban. Does anyone and very
2: I don't I haven't been cleared up with what's happening since, but I don't know if he's been cited or not. Or don't he, he hasn't. Matters. He hasn't oh, been cited. Okay.
0: And I did say on, on Sunday, it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't get cited, mm. I'll be honest. Like that, that that's no shock to me that he hasn't been cited. But yeah. But he um, should have been cited. <laughs> yeah, that's it's, it's, that's wrong. That's massively wrong. Like it's clearly a
2: red card. And if it's not well, a red card, it should be cited and it should be banned.
0: I get Scottish fans... Like, instantly, the first few replies I had from Scottish fans were, ah, fuck, that's clearly a red card. I hope he doesn't get a big bad. It, it was stupid. What I got them was Scottish fans <laughs> in, in, in a very small number. Claiming that his finger never went near his eye. Now I can only show you from the angle that I've got, which was the zoomed out one, which I then zoomed into, and then there was a still of his finger in his fucking eye <laughs> to go, he made contact with them, whether he deliberately so if you're if there was fan who was saying, Well, I don't think he's meant to do that, he's been a bit silly, he's pushed him in the face, his finger's gone in his eye. Fair enough. I'll accept that. If you think that that's what's happened, I'll fully accept that that maybe of what, what happened. I won't accept completely denying his finger when went in his fucking eye.
1: And it's clearly obviously did. Law yeah. doesn't mention intent anyway. Contact <laughs> exactly. with the eyes yeah, yeah. is what the law mentions It doesn't mention whether or not you meant to. If you right. make contact with the eyes, you've made contact with the eyes. The only difference it will make is if intent is clear. Like uh, the Argentinian guy on Garen Jenkins in 2002 <laughs> or whatever it was. When, when he he's up to his elbow. Yeah, he's trying to remove his head almost, yeah. you know, the uh, it was like watching angle.
0: Country file when they try and, and half <laughs> yes. a cowl. Like,
1: his arm was halfway in there. <laughs> yeah, but that's clearly a long ban. Mm. Well, you could say with Ferguson, it's a shorter ban because the intent isn't clear, but they're, they're still fingers in the eyes. Mm. Yeah.
0: Well, I th- was, it, was it Richie Reese that, that did quite a big ban pushing sure. someone in the face playing in England? I'm sure it was Richie. It was one of the Welsh. Nines, and I don't think it was Tavis Noel, because it seems like the kind of thing Tavis Noel would have done. But I don't think it was. Where it was clearly accidental. He clearly just sort mm. of put, he sort of throws his hand out to the player and catches him, and the player doesn't even react, and he ends up with I think he had like a twelve-week ban, which is a massive ban. So I mean, the precedent's been set, and yet again, we're at the point where we're going. Well, why, why, why are we not consistent? That's all I want is consistency in mm. life. I don't ask for much. But from mm. right referees, I'll move on to that in the in the wheels. Spring box game in a bit as well. Uh, the other incident that people kept showing me back to then in What About was uh Nick White with an open palm on the floor. It took me two days to find the incident. I found the incident, it's the shittest little incident. If it was a penalty, you'd be disappointed, but understand it's not the same as sticking your fingers in someone's fucking eye. No, no,
1: it's a, it's a penalty, probably that effect because yeah. he has kind of. Give him a little shove yeah. with, with the open hand. It is a penalty. It's, it's the kind more, of incident you see
0: quite that. regularly. I would yeah. say it's an incident that happens in every game or, or, you know, in a lot of games. And 25 years
1: ago, wouldn't have been anything.
0: No. Yeah. You know, 25 kind of years thing. ago, you would have had to do a pint back in the pub for being such a dick. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're going to give him one, give him one. Like, so. Yeah, I, there was nothing in that for me. So I'm sorry if, like, I, I think I got accused of anti Scottish bias. I got asked if I if I wanted some. I, I, I didn't know what some was. <laughs> if you wanted um, some, that was class. Yeah, do if you want some, I'll give you some. I just replied, "Who the fuck are you?" I <laughs> I've never even spoken to the guy before. And I um, mentioned it. Yeah, <laughs>
1: the, the Scottish try was probably not a try for me as well because there was all the kind of uh, pre-Latin. At yeah. the mole as well. Well, I don't think the Australian try that was
0: ruled out, and it was a yellow card given, wasn't it? Yeah. Am I right in saying that? It was. It was right to rule the try out. I don't think that's a yellow card. No. Like, we talk about contact with the head. That was like a, a flick to the nose. <laughs> like, it was a, it, it was a, a, I know we say like accidental doesn't matter, but it's not. It's not anything. It's yeah. not like he's come in and and dropped a forearm onto his head, or to, the penalty for me is for our feet. Like he comes in, he's off his mm-hmm. feet, the penalty, and then there's nothing more. I, I, it was it, it. It's like they were looking for something on that one, and then other times you're like, well, there's clearly in front of me, you're not giving that one. So <laughs> again, apparently I'm being anti-Scottish law, I made it quite clear that I wanted Scotland to
1: win. But there we go. That's my that's my on it. Oh, but I'll take some of that tea tree you now. I think, Steph.
0: Um, we'll quickly go on to the other game uh, from Saturday from Wales France Argentina was a game that only France and Argentina could deliver I think certainly batshit crazy but I loved it it was it was crazy with Shit house written all the way through
2: it. Yeah, yeah. It was it was it was probably on paper. You look at it and go, Oh, that's gonna be a decent game. And then when you read what's happened, you're gonna go, No, you're, you're no, you're lying. That 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 all didn't happen in one game, and then you go, No, no, watch it, watch it. <laughs> it did happen. Like, genuinely great game. I thought obviously like the charge down for the Argentina try and you're on, like you don't see that happening, like that just doesn't happen in rugby. Like Argentina, I thought dealt with France quite well. Surprisingly, and also annoyingly the 9, 10,
0: 12 didn't really work. I don't think. To do me, did, do you actually mean surprisingly? Well, like, <laughs> not, not surprisingly, but like
2: when you look on paper, like this was my winner of the week last week because if i naming that 9, 10, 12, I'm looking like this is going to be fucking, like they're going to carve them to shreds, but like it didn't, it didn't work at all. Like it, France only for me, looked dangerous in attack when they had Dante at twelve. Now, like I think somebody... I don't know who it was. I'm sure somebody mentioned on the book with us recently that or after the game was like, maybe that's going to be a regular thing where like there'll be games where Intermac will start at 12, Dante will come on or Donte will start and then think if they're going to play Jalaber at 10, um, potentially. Um, but yeah, like France didn't because they had anything going forward at all until Donny came on and then they were fantastic. And like Flamont's try was outstanding. DuPont was just
0: DuPont again. Like... The it trouble is, carnage. I don't think you can pick Flay in every position. No, it's the old piano movers, piano players, and they went and picked three Elton Johns. Yeah. Like the, it's great having a flamboyant piano players, but someone's got to get a fucker on stage. And I we talked about like how much I love Stephen Jones, and that that's exactly why because it let players play off him. France never considered that for a second. <laughs> Not- And when we move on to the Wales team for Sunday, I'll I'll bring that up again. But, yeah.
1: but without being rugby fun sponge, which apparently I am, after saying I don't like the Scotland (laughs) game, that French team, lovely to watch. But if they're serious about winning the World Cup, then they need to sort out their consistency. They need to sort out their mentality going into games. Because they've got the talent to win a World Cup but you don't just win the World Cup on the field. You have to win it in your head as well. And that's what worries me about that French team.
0: The only thing I will say is they've got another two years to get that right. And so if they're using this as a year to experiment, which seems to be the way that Wales are going as well, I think Pivac's made it quite clear that he's easier to fuck about. Like He wants he wants to know who's good enough and who's not, and he's willing to sacrifice results to find out. If France are approaching with that will say, ah, fuck it, let's go for it. Let's let's try three mad. Three mad selections, let's go for it. And I mean, they still got the win as well. Is, is the ironic yeah. thing if that is what well, they've gone out there to experiment and then they've still come away with a victory against a, a decent Argentina team that's pulled off some big victories in the recent game. And yeah, good on you. Two but, years out,
1: though, surely you should know vaguely what your squad's going to be going into a World Cup. Two years out, you should have a vague idea of 30 players and then anyone else is a bold.
0: I'd say yes, but then. Wales' best World Cup was 2011, and we didn't know what our team was in 2010. Mm. Because it's only then we started playing half-benny, playing Faletel, playing Warburton, playing mm. Changed, We changed our tens numerous times. So, George North obviously broke through just beforehand. So, yeah, in theory... And like, that was, if you remember when Gatlin came in, it was his big thing when he started. He was like, everything builds towards the three years building towards the World Cup, his three years building. And then, like I said, 2010, he just tore up completely, reintroduced all these young players. And realistically, going into that Six Nations, you could look at some of those players and go, we haven't really tested them. Like, we don't know Mm -hmm. who's, as it turned out, like Sam Warburton had the tournament of a lifetime and. They say half-penny oh, kicked out some, some crucial penalties and, and played decent, George North's turn, it was turned out to be a train machine. So, in theory, yes, but does it work out that way, do we think?
1: Yeah, the, you had such a solid system, though. Yes. That's the thing with Gatland. The players fitted the system rather than the system fitting the players. And that, with P and with France, it doesn't feel like that to me. Mm. It doesn't feel like the coach has got this is exactly where I want, and it doesn't matter if these aren't necessarily the best players in the country, but these are players who can fit this. Whereas with with France, it's that like we've got these great players left from all on the field at the same time. And with Pivac, it's something else. But uh... See,
0: I disagree because I've been banging the drum for Wales and for France about how well they've developed. Because I, I said when Pivac came I in that the... Everyone was behind the curve with Southern Hemisphere teams. Like, Southern Hemisphere teams were starting to open up. They were starting to play a more expansive game, despite what everyone says about South Africa. They were, they were opening up, they were playing more expansive, they were looking to score tries, they were looking to offload, And I think that's what PIVAC's worked towards. And I'm, I'm going to have my moment where, during the COVID Cup, when everyone slagged PIVAC off, and I was like, no, these green shoots, is coming, we'll see it. And then come Six Nations, we did see it, and maybe not 100%, not as good as it could be, but we saw it and I think he's doing the same again where he's tinkering with a few things. Obviously, a lot of work needs to be done in certain places, which we'll come on to when we talk about the next... No, fuck it, let's roll into one. So, obviously, we had the South Africa game this week, and the Scrum, without without needs working on, so we need to find out what that problem is. Does that come from the front row? Is it because we've lost a few players in the second row? Like, we need to look at where those issues have come from, because there was... And I know we're playing, perhaps, the best Scrum in the world on Saturday. Like, there's not many better scrums than the Springbok scrum. So you can understand if that's the one game where we give them all, like, fucking fair enough fans up, like they got they mm. the better of us. But I do think it's coming. And like, like I've been saying this for a year, and I, I think it, it was, the, I think coming into this, he made it quite clear. They said to him about results, and he said, well, the results are important because the results keep you in a job. But what we want to do is test players. We want to see how players are. We want to see where they are. We want to see what combinations work. And I think we've seen that. We've, we've seen him mix things up and try different things and, and put players in there and, and try things out. I think pivac has been quite shrewd with that, where he's gone... Because we've got to remember that this World Cup cycle isn't like other World Cup cycles mm. because of COVID, where if we're the 19th best team in the world, in the world rankings, doesn't actually matter anymore because we already know where we're ranked for the World Cup. We've already got our, our pool. Mm. Whereas before, if you remember when we... we Add that horrific autumn just before the pools were announced, and all of a sudden we're, we're the third team in a pool, and we've got a pool of death against Australia and England, which we all know that one worked out. Um <laughs> We haven't got that hanging over our heads anymore. Mm. So Pivac can't fuck about in the autumn. He can't go well. Fuck it. We've got nothing to lose. Let's try it. Let's try these players and let's try these combinations. And what we know about the world rankings is they can change so quickly because if you drop down to twelfth and you beat a team with third, the swing is so huge because of the way you pick up points. Actually, you're back, in, you're back in, the, in the running again, you're in the top six in the world or whatever it might be. So I think the rankings are that.
1: meaningless anyway. The rankings are utterly meaningless. And Except
0: in the year that they, they announced the World Cup pools.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the rest of the year, they're pointless. My yeah. issue, and I'm, I'm not as big a stan of Pivac as you, but I'm not massively anti. I'm just never quite sure what he's doing. He just. Surely he now knows, though they are players that he's selecting aren't good enough for for test rugby at international, you know, top international level. Aren't good enough. Yeah, you know, I, I really like Matthew Screech, really hard-working player, but but he's not an international player. And and Seb Davis is in the back row. And, well, this is where I disagree because I would have
0: agreed with you on Seb Davis, and I think he's actually looked. Pretty good in the back row. What I would say is, Seb Davis isn't an international second row, but he's shown glimpses that maybe he is in the back row. And it's it, it's obviously it was a, a Gatland idea, wasn't it? He started picking Seb Davis, and then it was I think too close the to World Cup to pursue any further. Anyway, and he dropped
1: it. He played but, him at eight, didn't he? Which he isn't. Yeah. He isn't an eight as mm. long as we hear. But well, I, six, I, I, I I don't know. I I've been quite quietly
0: impressed with Seb Davis. I said to you, the only thing Seb Davis has done wrong so far, ironically, was the second rose drop. He dropped the fucking the line of ball that was right into his hands. Because yep. otherwise, he's being decent. And against, you know, not against we've played New Zealand and he's, he's played the Springbok. So if that's a baptism of fire if you're going in there's a, your game's in the back row.
1: He hasn't played badly, but surely there are other back rows you would select over him. Yeah, you yeah, could one argue one, that he brings a bit of fle- uh, yeah. flexibility, that he brings that kind of utility level. But still, there are still... Be- and the- he's not a player built for... P- if Pivac's style is this kind of all-action flinging it out, then having a six foot eight tall six, I've- I'm not quite sure what he's doing there.
0: Mm. But then they kind of said that of Tygburn, kind this is what, the, what I said, it, like, I don't know whether he sees Seb as his Tig burn. Where they said that of Ty Well, you know, if you want to play this open expansive game, why are you playing Ty Burn a blind side? And then it turns out, well, because no, I'm not saying he's got the talent levels of Ty It would because he, he's one of the most underrated forwards in world rugby for me, Ty Um, and he's it, starting to get that recognition now, at least. But is that what he sees in him? Well, this is what because remember when Byrne came to the Scarlets and the payback, he was a, a pizza delivery boy, essentially. Like, nobody wanted him. Leinster had dropped him. Scarlet's took a punt on him, and he turned out to be an international quality second-level come blindside. Great
1: technical skills, though, Tyburn. Mm. You know, great technical skills. Great with the ball in hand. You know, but if you, I don't if you listen to people this. in Ireland,
0: if you listen to people in Ireland, not before he came over, because that's, that's why he wasn't wanted. So, the only
2: thing I will say, though, adding to that is, like, Dip it in a bit as well with like the options we've got in regards to like back rows. If you look at that back, the back row options now that are currently fit. Obviously, we've only got the guys that are in the squad. Like you add into the fact of Falata, you add Navidi, you've you had Tipperick Like I was thinking about this the other day, and like, and then I reconfirmed it this morning when I when I saw the team for, for for Sunday. It's like if I pick my strongest team now, everyone fit. I don't think Toby's in there. Because I think, because I think, I think the way he's performed and the fact he's also captain on Sunday, I think Ennis has to be six, if if fit and once he's back, you can't not have Tipperick in the squad. So does he start at seven? And then for me, if you've got if you've got option of Basham or Navidi eight, you probably go on form fully fully fit. You probably go Navidi, but then Basham covers the whole back row.
0: I, I'm still keeping Wayne Wright in there. I think Wayne Wright's still fits at eight without well, a doubt for me. But with the style the style of the pivot wants to play. Wayne Reds to start the and you don't ask a player to completely change position unless that's unless you want him in that position and that's what like to come out and say to the Dragons I, I want you if possible to start him at 8 and Moriarty to start at 6 is a, a signal of intent of he wants him in his start in 15 I think mm. it's harsh on Basham to not be 7 because he's been superb for me yeah. Ellis Jenkins had a great game this weekend Um not just for the way he played, but the way he capped in the game, which I'll say. But Basham has been superb in both games for me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. He's bailing put a foot wrong. He's been superb. He's been. I... Ellis Jenkins, as you both know, I had a little party about after 10 minutes because he's given away two or three penalties. And I said, oh, I said, and then just turned into fucking Superman. Just not Just with. I'm glad to see him named. Captain this weekend because I thought yep. he was the exact opposite of what Sia Khaleesi offered, where yep. Khaleesi was in Paul Williams' year for the full 80 minutes. Ellis Jenkins was actually very quiet. He let him do his job. He chipped in now and again. There's a brilliant moment when the South African try is ruled out. Yeah, uh, Paul Williams explains that it's for the offside from the kick, and Ellis Jenkins just said, "Yes, yeah, same as my one in the first half." Yeah, and that's brilliant. Like that is world class captains. Even like, he really impressed me on on Saturday. And and he was a great
1: call. all around the field as well. That yeah. turnover yeah. uh, when my threw in about the, uh, on the half hour mark, and he's just he's there. He's yeah. on it like a limb bit, and he was doing that all the way through the game. You know, kind of ridiculous number of Wales turnovers through Jenkins' work. He's a, he's a fantastic player. Well,
0: I did say on Saturday that like, I'm not a paid-up member of the Ellis Jenkins fan club because I've always thought he was a, a very good open side, but I didn't think like he was among the best options we had in Wales. I did say to you, have you got the direct debit details? Because I've, I've more than I've been saying. to me he was too well, poor. I,
2: I, I said, I said on previous pods, didn't I? If it was down to me, in my opinion, he starts over Navidi at six
0: weeks ago. You did say that, and I, I say you were wrong. Um, <laughs> you might be right. Mm. I say might be. We, we've got a long way to go.
1: I, I think Maybe. he brings something different to Navidi. Yeah. He, he he doesn't have that raw physicality of yeah. Navidi. Yeah. But but he's far more of a fetcher carrier than Navidi, you know. Navidi plays like an eight for me. Yes. Yeah. wherever he plays on the field.
0: And, and and can do it all across our back row, Navidi. Yeah. Like no matter where yeah. you put him, you know he's going to do the job and do the job well. Um another thing I'm gonna bring up that I've banged the drum about two fucking long. Lineup went pretty well, didn't it? <laughs> no,
2: the lineup was fantastic, I thought.
0: <laughs> Considering people were saying, I, I actually got into um, I got into an argument with someone on Facebook on the Friday who tried to make a Ryan Elias joke, and I was a little bit heavy handed, but I fucking flipped. <laughs> I was like, "No, this is ridiculous! It's utter nonsense! It's not." And it all went, you know. No, I know that like South Africa didn't compete that a lot of them they would say, but it's what I've been saying that we just need a settled unit, and I think if we get a settled unit in there, it'll work well it's a bit bonkers but we've changed so much and I know it seems simple I know it seems really easy to go well you know you just chuck it at the fucking guy who's jumping like what's the problem you call your number, They lift he jumps, you fucking chuck it at him but it's really much more, it's all timings, it's all thing. Bradley Roberts as well looked pretty good when he came on with
2: yeah,
0: his lineups are win. fucking good darts fair mm-hmm. play to him like,
2: he's not been watching Ryan's Ryan
0: videos, has he? Well, I look <laughs> every week at Elias now has a week like this week because I, I'm i going to keep banging on fucking drumming. It's not his fault. No, no. And it's been seen that when a starting hooker struggles with the line out, the hooker that replaces him also struggles with the line out. And then when a starting hooker plays well, the hooker that replaces him plays well. <laughs> I think like people need to see the correlation <laughs> between the two and go. And I don't think I'm not blaming, you know, jumpers. I'm not blaming lifters. It's a unit issue. And line outs and scrums are always a unit issue. Mm-hmm. It's very, really one player. I mean, sometimes it is, but these are elite level athletes. This isn't fucking Tondi thirds with JPR in the, in the back row at 72. <laughs> this is like a proper good team.
1: Yeah, I Sorry. I was not totally. Last game I played in, and every one of my throws, I I missed, and I actually set up the opposition for two tries. But you know, it's uh,
0: <laughs> sometimes it is a thing. But you would expect it <laughs> yeah, like.
1: Sometimes it is the book as well. Yeah, there's a slight difference in level, so. Uh, but I think Elias had his best game
2: yeah.
1: uh, for Wales. He was he was good on the park like he always is, but the lineup, like you said, looked very solid.
0: Yeah. Um. And speaking of good hookers, I thought Malcolm Marx coming off a bench is going to try as much as it was heartbreaking. I was really happy to see Malcolm Marx off a bench score try because I love him. Yeah. He, it, I. I. So I was devastated. All in all, it was one of those games where, despite the fact we lost, it wasn't doom and gloom.
2: No, like we no. didn't lose a game,
0: and I was I mean, like, oh, I can't. I can't cope with this. I can't. I can't watch it anymore. I actually it was kind of like yeah, that's fine, I can accept that result. And part of the reason, and a big reason for that, is because I thought the officials were absolutely bang on all game. Yeah, the ref was fantastic. It, probably they one of the best performances well. I've seen in the ages. There were things that were missed. I'm yeah. right. There were things that were missed on both sides, but it was refereed consistently. The communication was superb, it was it was excellent. It was uh, yeah. Paul Williams had a great game, the communication. Not just with the players, but amongst the officiating staff. Brilliant. Well yes, done. Because I, I, I'm the first one to, to have a moan on you about poor decisions. Excellent. Well
1: done. I would say, with the exception of uh, of Roman making stuff up for the Scotland game, the <laughs> quality of refereeing all weekend was really good. Hmm. You know, I, I was at the the England Tonga game, and uh, Craig Evans, I might be making up his name, there, the Welsh ref. No, it is super- Craig Evans was superb and uh, penalised the thing that most irritates me in the world. Players run in a kind of baffling line when people are uh, jumping up for the kick. And he penalised Tom Curry twice for that, and it was a great delight. And I think that's a general standard of refereeing was good all weekend in the games I watched.
0: I love the phrase, he penalised Tom Curry twice, it was a great delight. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, funny enough, I sang Craig Evans' praises on you about two weeks ago about yeah. what a good young ref he is. Uh, he's got a great and it, it, his knowledge of the game is phenomenal having having met him. His understanding and, and knowledge of the game is superb. So uh, yeah, I was delighted to see him have a have a good game. Um bigger, I thought uh, he was bigger. He had a great game. I I, I Let's players play off him. That that kick and chase that he puts in is unbelievable. Under a high ball, he, he, I wouldn't I back him every time. So I I thought again having bigger back made a massive difference. I know Anscombe, as I said his quality. He still doesn't look like he's quite at the end of his journey back from from injury as yet. And I think bigger added that extra dimension again to to let us play. I was really happy to to have Dan back.
2: No, he played well. To be fair, it's like I'm. I'm a little, little bit surprised he starts on Sunday. Um, I thought it might have been maybe, maybe case of, of giving maybe, um, Sheedy game time. I, I guess more. Um, but then no. it's it's a case of like, I guess we've got we've only got Dan for three or the four
0: games, so you play him as much as you can. So his first choice, Ten and e, he's got to start, and it's you play him. And because if you pick Sheedy, you've fallen in to the front strap. Yeah. Because when we look at the rest of the team in a bit, you pick Sheedy with that nine and those centers and those backs, and you're straight into the front strap. Yeah. <clears throat> or whatever the French is for trap. I think. <laughs> um,
1: trap, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Le Trap.
0: <laughs> Le Trap Francais. Um, and then. An outstanding moment for everyone who wasn't well, trying to imagine that Estebeth Handoff is unbelievable. It's the kind of Handoff that we used to see in uh, Foxy throwing. It, it almost took his head off his shoulders. He was so solid. A Handoff. But well, his then, Handoff,
2: and also the Khaleesi one as
0: well. Was what the I was boy. just about to say. Thomas William. But uh, kids watching, right? when you're coming Contact up against one it. of the strong when you come up against one of the strongest running back rows colo right yeah. like, especially if you're a nine the last thing you want to do is decide i'll aim for the chest no no mm-hmm. go low. you're not going to win that battle against sieglesi no. like he's he's a fucking machine and thomas Williams agree, a great but Golo, man just yeah. tackle though go for the legs for your own fucking good go for his legs shocking so uh, yeah it was quite and then we did have people claiming that should have been a yellow car but we all quite that so that leaves us unless there's anything else we want to discuss from the Springboks game
2: well I think there's, before we go on to the team there's obviously one thing that we need to discuss that I've alluded to already the elephant in the room the fucking idiot who runs from the crowd
0: oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah there like, was an incident I forgot about that
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> fucking honestly like i'm watching the game and I, I like i had my son at the weekend and i'm watching the game and he's on and i was like and i even shouted you fucking knob and he just he's like what was that and i went come on watch this and i rewound it to show him honestly I, like i just don't understand why well i do actually because I- I- idiots um, we can say it ourselves we like <laughs> valley's lads in the past like you can do anything sometimes for 20 quid but like, that's i just don't, don't don't get why he's done it
0: like I don't get it. I won't accept the Cafillies, the valleys. <laughs> I do this, it's not far enough up. I won't accept that it's the valleys. Don't don't, don't tag me with us. It's, um, um, but yeah, it's I, I had a problem with this just... when, when it I had a problem with this when MTV started the valleys, right? A lot of the places they came from were not in the valleys. I won't yeah. fucking accept it. One <laughs> boy was from Triga. I let him go. Yeah, definitely he's in. Right. These people from fucking all over the shop. One's from Port Albert. What valleys are in? One's two of them from Newport. Oh, the Newport <laughs> valleys, eh? <laughs> the best bit about
2: that whole program was the fact that, like, they made a big thing that they were moving to Cardiff. Like, one of them, one of used to work there and get the fucking train every day.
0: Well, there was there was the girl from Caffilly yeah. who cried in one episode and said, "I don't want to go back home. I'll miss Cardiff too much." It's like, like ten it's minutes, twenty minutes on the fucking train. There's a train every quarter of an hour. Like, <laughs> you can't miss. You would literally catch a taxi from Caffilly to Cardiff and pay with not too much money. <laughs> It was what yeah, it was great. And they probably get upset about not about having to go home and then they were in a crappy little club in the VIP area. Ah, it was I, I used to watch it and cringe and but couldn't turn it off. Yeah. But yeah, I don't want to go back to the valleys, I'll miss Cardiff too much. You're living in Cafilli. <laughs> just just fucking walk like <laughs> get the tough trail. <laughs> get on a bike, it's all fucking downhill. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um but yeah. Absolute clown Like within within minutes of the full time whistle going, I was inundated with videos and and if this is the guy's name and this is who he is and uh. yeah. Well, I only I tell you I'm not going to mention his name. I'm not going to mention the club. No, nope. uh, he's had a life ban. Yeah, it's not enough. No, nope. I did say it was bonfire night in the in the spirit of gay folks. Let's hang drawn quoted. That would have been enough for me. I would have been yeah. pulled <laughs> pulled by carriage down <laughs> St Mary's Street. Like I oh, would have, I would have done that. Um, but oh, an absolute fucking dickhead,
1: man. Like hot, hot take again, all right? Life ban, fair enough. Three grand fine because it's a criminal offence. I don't enough. know what it is. No, well, it certainly is a twickenham, and, and I'm assuming it's the same laws because my son was asking what would happen if he ran on the field them, <laughs> and there, uh, a very nice steward told him it was a £3,000 fine. Uh, I don't know if he needs more than that, does you know, I've, I've seen things about, oh, the club should be this, that and the other. It, it wasn't a club that they did it. It no. was just well,
0: one idiot. And this, this is the problem, I know that there's also a video circulating of everyone cheering him back into the club, in which case, yeah, fine, I'm talking booking um But... Yeah, like it's not the club's fault. Like if I if I go down there and run on the pitch, my club are gonna be well pissed off already. Yeah, he, yeah, and even more so if I you, cost them three grand.
2: But they'll be pissed off because you probably done not run on their pitch little alone <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: the first time you've seen me run on a Saturday in years. <laughs> <laughs> The last time was when we were playing in the ice cream van when we passed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair point. Yeah, I can't argue with that. Um But not like they, they'd be well pissed off with me, and rightly so. And but I don't know what punishment is suitable for that sort of thing. Like I, I, I don't know how. How would you punish a moron? Is the oh, question.
2: Well, I've I've said this this week and I said it on the group I think on Saturday or Sunday it was a bit of an emotional um, time when it happened like in regards to like me letting the heart rule the head but maybe bring him in to Welsh training and let him be attacked for defensive training maybe
0: I don't been a bold call for It would have been a bold call for Pivak if he had picked him and only him for the Fiji game on Sunday (laughs) You want to be on the pitch? You go fucking nuts kid Yeah yeah. that would have been a bowl call I would have backed that I would have backed that completely yeah. Um, I mean we talk about as well what punishment is he did get waterboarded as he was taken out as well
2: yeah, that's
0: amazing <laughs> the <rest of> class. <laughs> it's a number of I mean I, I I, wouldn't be wasting my drink to be honest but, <laughs> but the number actually... of people who would drink on him I mean, but
1: the I... stewards were getting the majority of that yeah. You? yeah you know it was uh, it, it just none of it looked very, you know, him running on the pitch, but then everything afterwards none of it looked
2: no
1: very good. None no. of it looked and, very good for Welsh rugby as a, a, a thing is, from, from the minute he ran on to the minute he was taken off, and then all the nonsense on social media afterwards none of it did the game any favours.
0: No. Uh, the other thing, obviously, was you, you say about the, the stewards who took him off. The, the really serious incident that could have happened was that. It's the steward that he nearly runs into, Liam Williams, because he's already been tackled onto the floor. It's the female steward that if he's going to take anyone out, it's her. Yeah. And he's a a notoriously strong runner anyway, going pretty much full pelt. And if he had made contact, then there could have been some very serious injuries.
1: Yeah, exactly. I always remember, but oh, a long time ago now, 15, 16 years ago, went on a rugby tour to Belgium, and played a game uh, on the Saturday. And on the Sunday, we went to watch Belgium versus Holland full international in Brussels. And there was at halftime a bunch of under-21s were getting their caps, and some lad, uh, I think he was a Dutch fan, has run on the pitch in his pants, and is running around and he's evaded the stewards, and it's all much hilarity, till he gets a bit too close to this uh, under-21s prop, who's getting his cap, who takes his suit jacket off and just folds this guy up absolutely, just picks <laughs> him up and drives him into the crowd puts his suit jacket back on, picks his hat up and as the guy's taken off by the stewards, looking a bit under, unsure on his uh, feet. But you know that was there weren't many people there. It, it it was that kind of atmosphere. It shouldn't be happening in the uh, in the principality. It shouldn't be happening in the capacity principality in the centre of Cardiff in the national sport. It shouldn't be happening. It, yeah. it, it, it's how
0: you stopper is the thing as well because like they were just wandering down the, the aisle and He runs and jumps or. It becomes very difficult as to how you actually prevent it happening because you can't stop people standing up and going to the toilet, which is where no. they were coming back from. You can't stop them before we get to that bottom bit. Then you've, you've got to keep your eyes on. I know you haven't, like, each super doesn't but there's 70,000 people in that stadium mm-hmm. that you need to be watching. And then the pitch is very close, obviously, to those front row seats because it needs to be. Do we electrify the sponsor boards or build the moat? Like, it, I, 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 we we need some sort of solution, but I, I don't know why. And, you know, you're never going to get high level steward in in the like, you know, those, those jobs are notoriously the kind of jobs oh, that go the
1: minimum wage, aren't they? But yeah, a, a Twickenham, them. There's a wall. It's not a big wall, but there's a wall. And if yeah. you want to get onto the pitch, you've got to scrabble across four foot thick yeah. and about four and a half foot high concrete to get uh, to the pitch, at which point you've been slowed down enough to prevent it from happening. But Yeah, like the old, um,
0: the Monster Le- monster Raven-Looney party, They uh, one of their policies was to build a four-inch wall around Great Britain so that if anyone invaded at night, they'd trip over a mid durum. So perhaps we like, need... <laughs> <laughs> we need this similar policy. They just trip over the wall and someone can dive on them. Um, oh, I'd say that like, Liam Williams is in full flight. What we know now after this week as well is that professional rugby players can do a lot of damage if you make contact with them, even if they're not moving, like if they're standing waiting for their kebab. Oh, I was going to say exactly the same. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's like, Rush video. <laughs>
2: before Gav just told us a story about the guy from, from, from Belgium, one of my winners this week was Xavier
0: Rush. Like that that video is fucking hilarious. Like to the I, I don't know if the best like the best thing like the collision's great, the way he hits the floor, hilarious. Zambi Rush just turns back round to wait for his food as if nothing's happened, while his friend is just like in between like I think as he died. <laughs> I, I, he just doesn't know how to react, he, and then he can't stop laughing. And then his eyes are in shock. It's, it's brilliant. That, it's like
2: it's, if people need the fact of like the camera follows the guy to the floor, and when it pans back, he's just standing there as if nothing's happened. He's like, yeah, he's
0: like, just <laughs> carried on. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, chili and garlic, no salad, please. Like It's it just like <laughs> he doesn't
1: miss a beat. What level of confidence must you have? And yeah, clearly the guy that had a drink. But surely there's not enough alcohol in the world to think that running at a man who played international and top level rugby for 20 years with a reputation for being one of the hardest running and tackling guys in the game is going to be a good idea. It's never going to be a good idea.
0: Even if you didn't know he was Xavier Rush, right? Even if that guy had never had a cap. Even if that guy had never pulled on a rugby jersey, I wouldn't look at a guy built like that and think oh, no, I'll come <laughs> I mean just, come do over. I bet I can run out that prick and be all right. <laughs> you just solve this. Xavier Mesh needs to be a steward at the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I suggested um, Justin Tipperick because like yeah. that guy would have had him tackled and turned his pint over before he got anywhere near that pitch. He would have been fine. Perhaps that's what it is. We just need to imagine. Oh, right. Oh. We'll, we we we'll love him. We we'll love uh, Mama Malatika. Can I can I just say what you just said is a really really weird Venn diagram
2: of
1: rugby players because they are they also all wore blue scrum cats?
0: There we go. That perhaps that's the trick. We'll have to get tight Burn. We we'll have to wait for him to retire now. <laughs> it's it's rugby players who dress as snooker cues. That's the. Uh, I think we're talking about the Wales Fiji game, and <laughs> we need to come into the team in a minute, don't we? Um. Yeah, it, it was bizarre, and it's one of those things like something needs to be done. I feel sorry for whoever's job it is to think of what needs to be done because I can't see any easy solution. No. Obviously, people did do that nonsense as well, going, oh, well, the trouble is that people are drinking. And like, yeah, because people are having a good fucking time because we're not in fucking you know Salt Lake City. This isn't a moment thing. We, we, everyone's enjoying themselves. It, it, it's what people are there to do. And that that is what makes it fun because... That, that kind of is rugby culture, having a drink and having a laugh and enjoying it. And it is what people talk about rugby values, but it is what what sort of cuts a rugby day out from a football day out. Because, you know, if you go into a football stadium, generally then you're going to be dry for the next like. But people can have a drink together and a talk together and talk to people from different countries because it is more acceptable and it is more easily done in this country. I know it mm-hmm. happens elsewhere in football as well, but in this country. So I don't agree with this idea that if we just suddenly stop serving beer in a stadium, all will be well. More runs will continue to be more runs. Yep. Villages will continue to have idiots and dickheads will keep trying to get on the pitch. Should we want the wheel speech? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we thought my big plan for the podcast, because we were recording on Wednesday, was I was going to ask the two of you, right? What what team do you want to see? For the Fiji game on Sunday. And then before I had a chance to do that, uh, a few messages went out going, Wales have announced the Majority Press conference. <laughs> They're going to name the team early. And um, they've named the team early. So, uh, uh, Reese Carey, Ryan Elias, Tom Francis, Will Rowlands, Adam Beard, Dallas Jenkins, Tane Basham, Thomas Young, Kieran Hardy, Dan Bigger, Johnny Williams, George Adams, Louis Rees Ameth, Liam Williams, Alex Cuthbert. How do we feel? I would have picked that fifteen, maybe changing centres. Yeah, you would have come, but I know you'll be excited that Cuthbert is back. Uh-huh. And there's no clues at all on this Zoom call because you, you kill, you still keep making visual jokes on an audio medium. But you have got what's, what's your what's your name set to on Zoom for this week? My name set on Zoom this week is Alice Cuthbert, international winger again. <laughs> there we go. I know um, you've been wanting Cuthy back in anyway.
2: Well, it's not necessarily wanting; it's just more pre- like predicting in the in the case of like with him coming back. He doesn't have There's no issue about like is he eligible? Blah blah blah. He's played for us before. He's done fifty caps. He's and <coughs> um, he's a Lions winger. My opinion: he's improved defensively massively since he was playing at Exeter. Um, I thought defensively the two games he played for us were fantastic, and I was surprised he wasn't picked in the squad initially. Um, part Plus of the reason why
0: I don't. Oh, Plus, you've got an agenda on this podcast of trying to rebuild that two thousand and thirteen team. Yeah, yeah. I'm calling on Pivac uh, you've had you've had yet. but's back. Yeah, there was there was someone else as well. You, you you're slowly making your way through them of, of rebuilding our team. Yeah. I admire I admire your commitment.
2: Yeah, it won't it won't be long. We have getting back at one. That's fine. That's going to happen. Bomb will be bomb <laughs> at three. I draw and the line. of would be all, I'd be it.
1: all right with bomb back at tight dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. But no, the <clears throat> I think I
2: think that fifteen is is on paper one of the, well probably the best he could pick currently. Um I thought maybe with their age, with their ages, I, I get proof of them, but like Scott Williams in the squad through because of Hala and it's not got anywhere near a squad. Um, obviously Willis is back as well, so I would have considered maybe had he looked at them too, twelve and thirteen potentially. Like oh. Johnny's played, Foxy's played, Tompkins is there, give him more time off the bench, but like maybe play them too because he doesn't, he hasn't seen them really play. He played like Willis was there in the in the Six Nations, that's it. I would have thought maybe that would have been an option.
0: Um, now that was my pick for this week. I think I put the tweet out as well to say I want to see Scott Williams and Alaholo together in the center and see what they can do. But I like this centre period. How, how do you feel about that? We'll stick on the centers. How do you feel about it, Gal? Uh
1: I'm less positive about than you two. Let's put it that way. <laughs> uh Jody Williams is fine. He's not an international centre for me. And Josh Adams, I'm I'm confused. He's, he doesn't look like a winger who could play in the centres. So why, why are we doing that? You know, and I've seen other people say, oh, put Owen Lane at 13. Well, no, I'd like someone who could tackle at 13. So, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm all right with Josh Adams. But centre frustrates me. You look at the, the people we're selecting in centres. Fox is, you know, will be there for the next World Cup. He'll be on his last legs. Scott Williams won't be there at the next World Cup. Not even sure Willis will be. And we've got guys like an Iron Owen at Dragons. And, you know, clearly have a bit of a Dragons agenda. But why why are we not blooding him? And as for Cuthbert on the wing when the form player winner in the UR season on the squad is absolute madness for me. Yeah, and yes, I I am a fan of Jonah Holmes, it's fair to say. But uh yeah, that's, I don't know, those those send that send appearing just I I don't understand why. What what are we trying to achieve by picking a bloke who's not good enough to play there? And a bloke who was in the center.
0: No, I I think Johnny Williams deserves the shot this week because like I said, I, I thought Anscombe looked a little bit off the pace in the first game. And so playing that, uh, I thought Johnny Williams got a bit of a bad drop with by if, if you're saying that the 10 looks a little bit off the pace. He got caught out so many times we caught the ball we we did, which was clearly the plan and just got abs because the ball was, was coming out. They they picked him off every time, and I thought it was unfair on Johnny Williams. I, I think he plays good, and he does play that style that the wants to play. He's probably the closest they mold to what he had when Parks was playing there for the Scarlets,
1: and so I think he's he's Wasn't gonna that's... run with him. No, see, I, I don't see that. I, no? He's, he's he's a step down from Parks. He's a, he's oh, I'm a, not saying
0: he's as good as Parks, because Andy no. Parks is the greatest player to ever touch a ball for Wales. So I don't, <laughs> I, I, I love the man, as we all
1: know. But <laughs> but I think he's the closest within that mould that we've got. He's a, he's, then, a good, he's a good club player, you know, kind of to, to steal the uh, language of another uh, pod, is that he's a so club player, you know, he's... Absolutely a club player.
0: I, I I honestly I think he'll come good for I genuinely believe he's one of the ones that I picked out that I think will, will come good last. Do you know what? COVID as anyone else like I've got no idea of what year anything happened because of COVID, Now, Yeah. But I can't remember what year anyone played any game. Um last year was the COVID Cup and I, yeah, I thought that last autumn on it. Yeah. yeah, and I thought he showed glimpses then. Mm. Obviously he's had trouble where he's another one who's was coming back from quite a, a big injury. He's coming back from quite a big timeout, so he, he needs to be given a bit of time as well. And looking forward to, to two years. The thing with Josh Hardens, people seem to think that because these World Cup squads are getting a little bit bigger and they've moved, that, that suddenly we don't need as many utility players. But there's only so many. Like, what's it has it gone from 31 to 33? Am I right in saying that it's going to be 33 players for the next World Cup?
2: Yeah,
0: and there was 31 in the last World Cup. So yeah. we're only had an extra two players in our squad. So um, when you bear in mind that teams have generally chosen to either take two hookers and three scrum halves or three hookers and two scrum halves, we know where one of those positions are going. So essentially, you only got one other person to play with. And what we've seen is people say, "Well, with the Seb Davis thing, why are we looking at a utility player there? Because we've got an extra, extra two players coming up, but we've got bigger squad sizes." And then we've got the same thing with like, well, with Josh Adams, why are we messing about? We've got an extra." It's a finite number of extra spaces we've got. <laughs> like, There comes a point where you go, yeah, we, need, we still need utility players, because for me, we've got one extra solid position, because like I said, we're either going to take an hooker or a scrum off because that's common sense, because teams have lived on two. Generally, it was two scrum halves and three hookers, and then Gatland went, no, fuck that, I'm taking two hookers. So uh, I think we, we still need these players Were are able to play in more than one position, what we've with Josh Adams, is he's played fifteen now for the Lions. He played thirteen when Foxy went off last weekend. And I am I right in saying he's played it for Cardiff as well.
2: I think yeah, he has played a game at thirteen for Cardiff. I also think he's played games at thirteen for Worcester in the past. But like Yeah, so Worcester, it's not a new No, it's he's he's a he's a winger, like don't get me wrong, but he can cover thirteen if, if needed.
1: I just think it's the defensive patterns, and I'm, I'm saying this as someone who hasn't played centre for 20 odd years, so you're the know, kind of, <laughs> to make out I'm any kind of expert on what backs do is an entirely uh, false <laughs> position to be placing myself in. But, I do know the defensive work of a winger and the defensive work of a centre is very different. But then I also didn't think North would cut it at centre, and I was absolutely wrong there. So, you know. yeah, same, absolutely. I was
0: adamant that moving George North to outside centre was the stupidest, the stupidest decision that anyone would ever make in rugby. Why are we moving George North? The guy's not great defensively, we know that's his weakness. Why we put him in the most important defensive position on the pitch? He's fucking brilliant. (laughs) He's been superb, and suddenly his tackling does look really good. He does look really solid because actually, what it is is like that weakness on the outside a little bit more. Like it just looks more solid, and his tackling has been very good. Mm. And so I I can say, Pivak's made it quite clear he's going to be experimental. I think he's turned his back on youngsters a little bit. Whether that's fear of pushing them too soon, this sort of Tom Pridey uh scenario where he gets thrown into the team a little bit too young, a little bit too immature. And then because he doesn't get called back up for another three, four years, it takes a massive knock on him. And on his reputation, like Tom Pridey has struggled at a reg to be a regular at the club, despite the fact he's clearly a very good player. Mm-hmm. And when he's played, he's played really well. But his reputation fallen
1: not he? Yeah, uh, the have released him. Yeah, pridey's been released.
0: And it almost seems like that that reputation's falling around. Really, he was the guy who wasn't quite good enough for Welsh international. Rugby. And it's always uh, was the, uh, the other one, Christian Phillips, yeah. Christian Phillips yeah. had, a, had a very similar thing where he got thrown in very early, and then
2: and and can be like I'll add I'll add something else in there as well. And I know I'm going to get absolutely really ridiculous for this, but like even someone like Tom, like yeah, Tom, well, when he did, when they, he, when he when, would, when, the other issues to... there as well. Yeah, but yeah, there was other issues obviously there. But yeah, but like somebody like Tom, like if you looked at Tom when he first broke into that Cardiff team, the Blues, like he's on fire. He's the, he's the highest try scoring winger or player that Cardiff's got. Like he's yeah. he's he's one of the best, one of the best wingers that that club and Wales have probably produced in the sense of like out and out raw talent, raw pace. And with Tom, it was a case of like yeah, he came in for George North, North a little bit, but like Tom's, at probably as big as George. Strong as George, pace can step, but like he was just got unlucky. Like there was there was times where like he potentially could have played, and like let's face it, he was playing rugby when Wales had Shane Williams. Like, like I know Shane was near the end of his career, but that's a big factor in it as well. Like he's not going, you're not going to start over Shane. So like yeah, there's three lads there that, that in any other country probably would have
0: had a lot more caps. And uh, I think that Pivac obviously he tried out some young players in the summer. And some came through with flying colors. He's mm. obviously happy with Ben Thomas. He's obviously happy with Ben Carter. He's obviously happy with those players. But then it was easier games to turn up and play in, especially with, you know, the Canada game yeah. to test players out. And obviously, that's where Basham came through as well. So to give him that game and go, okay, it is a different prospect to throw them players in in the Autumn International. So yeah. that's my hope that that's what he's done with those players. Because you can look at the Nyren win. you can look at Jack Morgan you can look at Sam Costello who are doing it regularly at the moment in the URC and looking superb. Mm. But if he's holding them back because he, he wants to wait and see, that's quite that. But if he's doing it because of some other agenda, then I don't know what the fuck he's doing because I, I've, I've ranted about Jack Morgan in his squad for a while now because I, I don't get it. Obviously, the one young he's put on there, well, it's my biggest problem is that Wales don't do the old England thing of having the cycling... Uh, warm-up on the side because I really, really want to use the pun Christ on a bike. <laughs> and there's, there's no there's no Google Images. I check. They, they must have at some point that we never did, and it's never going to happen. I don't get to use my Christ on a bike but he is on the bench.
1: But again, I don't really understand the logic in that. Yes, we are a bit short on second rows, 100% get that, And he, he will be a world-class second row. But three weeks ago, he was playing for Exeter Uni. Yeah, and he's he's getting a couple of games for Exeter, but he's no regular starting for eight. There's a big old start, step up there.
0: I think the worry is, as well, though, England had a little look at him and a little nibble where they called him into the train squad and he said that they tried to poach him a little bit, but he is Welsh. But he's English qualified. He's French qualified. Yeah. At yeah. the moment, he might feel very Welsh. Things could change when he goes and goes. Well, actually, look at all this money we can give you if you pull on a white shirt instead. And then if he does turn out to be this tremendous talent that a lot of people are tipping him to be, to lose out on that. So to go, well, let's give him a let's give him ten minutes against Fiji, especially because there's no pressure to. Having him on the bench, if there's an injury, there's no pressure to put him straight into that game mm. because it's all right because our back will cover Seb Davis. And, so yeah. we can drop Seb Davis in there anyway. So we can fully manage what minute he comes into that game. But the
1: balance of the bench is good as well, isn't it? Because mm. you've got uh, Chris... Uh, I can never pronounce it, Chris,
2: Chris Chinza, yeah.
1: Chinza can play six as well. And you've yeah. got Seb Davis who can play six. And then you've got three guys who can play seven. So if the seven goes off, if Young goes off, you just shift Ellis round to seven. Mm. Yeah, there's yeah. a decent balance to the bench there.
0: But we've got our all back row is like can play at least two positions. Yeah. They're all they're seven essentially, row.
1: aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah they're, they're all seven as a first choice.
0: Yeah. And then, but then Ellis started obviously six last weekend. Yeah. Bashton's played played an eight and has played eight before.
1: We have yeah, Thomas Young
0: can play eight or seven as well as six, so mm. we've we got a nice. But I, I, I'm I'm looking. I, it's a botched selection. It's mad mm. as hell, mm. but it's got the glue as well because it's got done bigger at ten. Mm. And if ever you wanted the sensible end to hold all this fucking mad team together, I'd want it to be done bigger.
1: And and the tight five is a proper tight five as well. Yeah. You know that that's a proper test level tight five of Roland's with Beard, you know, you've got my only fear, uh, concern is there's no real heavy duty, deep, deep, heavy traffic carriers there. Uh, yeah. Apart, you know, kind of, and you look at it, Rowlands is going to be the main. I was going to say, Will, Will
0: Rowlands did it very well for Wasps.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. No, and that's what he does, but he's the only real one in that team. He's the only one you're just going to be asking him to make those hard yeah. yards over and over again, and that's for fear. I
0: wonder how much, if we're going to try and keep it open and expansive as well, how much we'll see Carry step into that role, yeah, and how much Harry. we'll see him being that first there. And he's got decent hands for a proper, we know that that's, that's his strength.
1: Yeah, and, and good acceleration through the tackle yeah. as well That's Carry's strength.
0: And we talked about sort of Elias around the park can do a job. He carries well. He makes all right the odd yards rather than those big yards. He'll make you. He'll make you a couple of yards each time. But he makes ground very. He's not a dynamic
1: carrier, is he? That's it. The same as Basham. They can both take the ball well in the contact, but they're not those dynamic carriers. No, that's it. And and that's what you lack in a bit there. You know, and as much as Moriarty is. An interesting character but you know he will give you that he will break through and make those yards whatever the situation is Hmm. so
0: on a whole and just a one-word answer are we happy yes yes oh i wasn't expecting that (laughs) i will be honest i'm gonna go yes as well um Less, I'm not going to ask for predictions. It would be too bad to expect predictions. So I'll we'll make just, one. I'll, I'll make ask one. for prediction. I'll just say, uh, winner. Who do you think is yeah. going to win
1: the game? So Wales will win.
0: Yeah. Catherine will score. Oof. Gav? Wales to win. Um, I, I'm going to...
1: Go. I don't know. I think he's going to come back time, but I've
0: got a Wales win as well, um, and then we'll just do who oh, we think the winners are of the other games, and then we'll move on to winners and one Uh Italy, Argentina,
2: Argentina.
1: If they play like they did on
0: Saturday, Argentina, I'll i go Argentina as well. Italy. Italy played very well on Saturday, mm. meant for a good hour. Uh, Scotland, South Africa,
1: South Africa for me. I'm going to say Scotland.
0: I was going to say Scotland I and I beat Australia. I know I'm going to say South Africa, which is a twisted logic, but it's one of mm. those for me. Uh, Ireland, New Zealand? New Zealand. Ireland. Oof. No, I'm going New Zealand. I can't see Ireland beating now. i are them a good game. I can't see them beaten up. And then England, Australia.
1: England. Yeah.
0: England, yeah. Fuck them, Australia. Right. Uh, <laughs> so we'll move on to our winners and wankers. We'll start, as is no tradition, with a wanker, so we can finish on our with winners. So, uh all your, your wankers of yours? I have two. One of it. them is. I'm not going to say more. I, well, I did say we're not going to name him. But I'm
2: just saying that. I'm not going to say anymore. That's kind of. I don't know
0: why. And, and the I'm other one. All of them
2: out. <laughs> the other one
0: yeah is myself agreed thank
2: you for listening and i'm, I'm <laughs> going to say it because i've checked it while we we're on the pod at 4 minutes past 7 on saturday night i sent the tweet i uh, sorry i sent the message to our group chat that said simply said pollard off wales will now win yeah and um, yeah we didn't so yeah me a caviar wank
1: mine is uh, the terrible, terrible standard of uh, journalism... Well, not journalism, of coverage for rugby and the part it has in the issues we have at the minute. So it's not so much the rugby writers, and we know some very good rugby writers, it's the kind of rugby lad, rugby pass, kind of, oh, he's in Java characters and this. No, we don't need characters. This is the greatest sport in the world. We don't need to be laughing at blokes dressing up and standing next to stuff because it brings other problems. And it's nothing to do with the amount of booze that that lad drank. It was to do with the fact he was emboldened by somebody who'd been put there by a betting company to go on the field. It's wrong. And it's also, and it's a hate meme anyway, but you know that meme when Wales lose a game and there's two babies and oh, I wanted to support a good team by my parents when we support Wales. Nothing upsets me more in the world. Firstly, you don't choose. It's, uh, you know, that's just, you, you know, you supported country from bad. Mm-hmm. It's also, but that, that's that been knocked out by social media uh, sites with tens and hundreds of thousands. It's just nonsense. The, the game deserves better.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's, it's the lack of responsibility for the content that they broke there. So you say... Oh, <laughs> People who were putting the job picture up on Saturday afternoon, then calling people an idiot for going on a pitch on Saturday night on the same account. And yeah. you're like, well, yeah, what do you fucking expect? Yeah, of course. Uh, my Wanga is said person who ran on the pitch, as was bodies. I have to be that out. Um, and then also, though, the people who sent, like, death threats yeah. to Deathish. him and to his family, like... Right, we know he's a dickhead. We know he potentially cost a try. And it is potentially. I still think that McNichols passes forward. Now, whether McNichols passes forward because they're kind of avoiding someone running on a pitch, which kind of what they ended up as well. But that pass was forward. So I think if he'd gone back and looked, they would have been ruled up anyway. Mm-hmm. But, like, regardless, let's not send death threats to people, let's not threaten people. No. It's, it's, it's fucking ridiculous. Like, and that goes for and like I know, like myself. But don't DM people saying you're going to beat them up because they said that someone stuck a finger in someone's eye. In my case, don't don't be threatening people. Full stop. Like, you're a dickhead. If that's what you are doing you're a dickhead, I'm. I you fucking DM me, you like, I'll just have the fuck off. I don't care. But like, you, it, it's uncalled for. Like there's no need for, it. and I put a message yeah, up saying I'm... no punishment is too harsh for this guy. And as soon as I did it, I went, ah, like people are gonna clearly send the messages, which is when they I went, like, don't delete it, like quote tweet and go like, but please don't take it around. Like the, the people will deal with this. There's people with the proper
1: authority to deal with this, and they will deal with it. Leave it be. And ultimately, it's a game, and you know, yeah. it's a game. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why it frustrates me. That's why social media around sport frustrates me. They've do soccer in the summer, with the people sending threats to soccer, and people, it's a game. Yeah. You know, life goes on.
0: Yeah. Um, and so then, on a happier note, let's have our winners for this week. Um, for
2: me, I would say... The NCAA is a massive one for their statement that we have alluded to earlier. Um, I also want to say, um, you mentioned it earlier, Like Paul Williams was fantastic on Saturday. Um, but being a fully, fully paid up member of the uh, fan club, I think I'm probably chairman. Um, I'll take it. But Ellis Jenkins, outstanding on Saturday. Love having him back. He's going to be phenomenal for Wales, phenomenal for Cardiff. Um, and massively deserves the captaincy at the weekend, and
0: for me, it feels a
2: bit like a moment when Sam got it in 2010, where maybe you start now and go, and if you're going to be captain, even if someone like Alan Wynn comes back, because we know he's not going to be around for, for ages anyway, and let him sort of lead us into that World captain in two years.
0: Um, he really impressed me. He really impressed me with um, the way that he captain in there. and not only knowing what to say, but knowing when to stay quiet as well. Yeah. Uh, your winner,
1: Gav. Uh, well, I've got two. Uh, Ellis Jenkins is one of them to come back from the injury he had to just play yeah. rugby at that level so quickly, it's absolutely phenomenal. But the uh, the real winner for me is greatest rugby player in the world, Jazz Joyce. Yeah. Scoring ridiculous try against Japan uh, for Welsh women on uh, Sunday just how she does that. I have no idea. She is the most phenomenal player to watch in either men's or women's games. Just unbelievable. I
0: agree completely, but I did have a art in mouth moment then when you said, greatest with, play in the world and the next week started with J, and I thought he was going to play <laughs> John Holmes. And I was like, he's having me fucking play, Gav. Come on. <laughs> I'm quality in support there, He's <laughs> my winner of every week. He's <laughs> just my winner in life. <laughs> um. My winner for this week is um the Hull Roundheads uh doing a, a fundraiser at the moment, uh ride in our city because I think they use Pride in our City as the thing. So um LGBTQ team currently doing that ride around Hull to raise some funds in order to buy training equipment. And it goes a little bit beyond just being able to support the club because, as you know, every club also supports a community. And then what that community also supports is people who, within sport, are quite often marginalised. So it's absolutely superb. Our friend is uh, obviously captain up there. So it's on my, on the, the Rock and Roll Twitter feed for people to go donate where you can, RT if you can, get it out there, let's get some money in. It's absolutely superb to see a club like this uh, Do something, watch them thrive, and like they've done some brilliant things. The photo shoot that they did a few years back for their kit launch was superb. Uh, in within the link, uh, obviously, going to the Al take a look on their website as well, have a little look. But to those boys, like all the best, to like, I'm trying to raise as much money as we can together. I mean, because yeah, like, and- I can't back that enough.
2: No, I'm just looking at it now. Like at the time of recording on on, on Wednesday, they, their goal was 250 pound. They got 405, so obviously, hopefully, we can get that a lot higher and, and maybe make that into the thousands for them. I guess uh, to try and see if they can uh, get some equipment.
0: I think they are cycling 60 miles. Is that right? Twice twice the circumference of Hull. Yeah, I read, read earlier, which is it's not how I usually measure things in circumferences of Hull, <laughs> but uh, it's twice the circumference <laughs> of Hull. So, yeah, all the best, boys. I, I thank you to everyone who's already donated. And please, if you haven't donated, go donate now. If you have donated and you want to go and donate again, you can never donate enough. Just get that money in the pot for, for boys doing some great things. Um, and that's all that's left for me is to thank Wally for being here. No worries. And, thank and I'll see you for,
2: next week, mate.
0: Well, supposedly. Um, <laughs> gal for, for coming on. And thank you for listening. Thanks so much. Bye now. See you later. You've been listening to Rock and Roll. If you've stuck with us this far, leave us a review. Follow us not just here, but on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And drop us a message. We're a pretty friendly bunch. It'd be great to hear from you, no matter what you want to say. And we'll see you next time. Thanks very much for listening. Bye for now.
1: Podcast Network.
0: 18 plus.